Today is uh, the 11th of October, and we're looking at Lesson 7, which is a lesson on give. Uh, we're going to open in prayer, and at the end of my prayer, uh, I'm going to try to sing Hamazon, and uh, anybody that knows this, welcome to join in if you know Hamazon, uh, which is the prayer uh, for uh, thanking God after uh, after eating from Deuteronomy, uh, I think it's chapter 11, or chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us all things necessary. Father, we thank you that you feed us uh, from your hand, uh, that your hand is open. And Father, that you have uh, not withheld it, that even the wicked uh, receive good things from you. Father, uh, to know that you, uh, that you shower uh, grace upon uh, all your creation, uh, that animals are fed and, and uh, all human beings. Father, we thank you that you are uh, such a gracious God. Lord, we ask that you might give that same measure, uh, that same spirit to us, that we might be willing to give, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, hazanet haolam kulo betuvo, bechen bechesed uvrachamim, unotzen lechem nekobasar ki leolam krasdo, uvtuvo hagadol, Tamid lokasalanu veyayeksalanu mazon leolam vahed pavur shemo hagadol ki hu elzanum farnes lakol umetiv lakol umekin mazon lekol briotab ashebara barukat adonai azanet hakol amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who nourishes the entire world in His goodness with grace kindness and with mercy. He gives nourishment to all flesh for his kindness is eternal. And though his, and through his great goodness we have never lacked and we shall never lack nourishment for all eternity for the sake of his great name. Because he is God who nourishes and sustains all and benefits all and he prepares food for all his creatures which he has created. Blessed are you, Lord, who nourishes all. Amen. And that is the first blessing uh, from... Um, What's commonly called Hamazon, or in English, it doesn't mean that. It means uh, it doesn't mean grace after meals, but that's the English translation, or um, it's not a transliteration. Um, for the, the first blessing, and uh, there are uh, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, we're told that we're supposed to bless God uh, for the food, for the land, and uh, it's extended also to uh, Jerusalem. Thank God for Jerusalem. It ends up with uh, thanking Him for. His giving us of Messiah, um, something uh, prayed hopefully after we eat every time we're full and satisfied. Uh, this is from Luke chapter 11, verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And uh, that is Yeshua's words speaking uh, to some of the Pharisees. Uh, what we've been looking at, these action words, and focusing on action words, is that they become loving responses. They don't, they don't cause things. Uh, they are, in fact, the, uh, the, the effect of what God has done for us. In other words, God does things, therefore we respond, and it's our response that's seen in our actions that is, that is what we've been talking about. Well, God loves us, so what do we do? We love him and we love others. Uh, God... Um, uh, God cares for us, so we respond by hearing and obeying him. Uh, God treasures us. He finds us to be uh, his... Uh, we, we, he, he calls us his, his, uh, 
his special treasured people. He displays that. He acts on our behalf. So our response is to treasure his words as if they were sweet like honey. He teaches us, to, and our response is to teach others. And uh, he chastens us, so our response is to repent and to lead others to repentance. And now what we're seeing is that God gives. And that's why we did Hamazon. God gives. God, God provides for food. Uh, we see this in uh, Yeshua's prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, give this this day our daily bread. Um, it's, uh, he, he talks about the fact that the lilies of the field are, are, not cl- are, are clothed better than Solomon and all his array. He gives. And so what should our response be? And that's what we're looking at today, to give. And what I've written on the board here is Asar in the block script. Uh, you can see it's an Ayin, a, uh, a Sheen, and a Resh. As you can see, Asar. Um, the, the Ayin is uh, it's what you see. Uh, so it's something visible, what you see, or it's what's manifested. The sheen is, in fact, the, uh, um, well, first of all, it's symbolic of the name of God, El Shaddai, and it's also uh, symbolic of his consuming presence. And then the resh is oftentimes seen as the head of man, or proud and lifted up. And uh, in this case, what we see is we see that uh, God, in fa- fact, is resting on the head of man, uh, that it's, and it's visible. You know, th- this is true. People think about uh, if somebody's very... Uh, very wealthy. They think about, well, you know, what made him so lucky, right? Boy, man, I mean, not maybe you don't think that, but a lot of people do. And uh, uh, in fact, we go through the scriptures and we find uh, we find that oftentimes these these uh, this is a this is symbolic of God's blessing to have great riches. Uh, ironically, then we take the opposite tack uh, when we read Yeshua's words and it says, no, no, uh, rich people have no, it's impossible they can't get into the kingdom of heaven except for by God's by God's grace of course that's true of all of us uh, so you know which is it um, and and the answer I hope is going to be uh, in what we uh, discover in studying this word to give uh, the word for tithe is masar uh, it is the noun verb a noun form of this uh, verb that we have on the board here masar is a tithe or a tenth it actually contains the word ten in it, uh, so it is. It is to. It is a tenth, a tithe, um, and that word is spelled mem ayin shin resh, and it comes from this root asar to make or to take become a tenth portion, and it actually includes the letter ten in it. Asar is directly related to the verb, uh, the root verb ashar, which would be the same spelling up here in the block script, but the dot would be over the uh, the uh, right side of the sheen, and, and it'd be a sheen and not a seen. Ashar. Uh, which means to, be, to make or become rich. Isn't that interesting? You give, you get rich. Anyway. Um, the first usage of the noun is found in Genesis 14.2. Go to Genesis 14.2. Very instructive. This is uh, this is a passage uh, that follows uh, follows the defeat of the uh, where Abraham leads up his men and and defeats um, defeats those who had uh, 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 kidnapped his his nephew um, and and he and he takes he takes spoils. Hedo uh, Lamar, the king of Elam, is is uh, who he plunders. Okay, he plunders him. And uh, he, he has this great wealth coming back, and as he comes back, um, uh, he's met by the king of Sodom, and uh, then he's also met by the king of Salem. 
and the king of Salem, uh, Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, actually meets him. And to this, uh, we get this passage in, in, in chapter 14 and verse 20. Actually, go to verse 18. Then Melchizedek, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, El Elyon. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram uh, of God Most High, possessor of uh, heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemy into your hand. Uh, Abraham, this is before he's named uh, Abraham, is Abraham here. Um, and now he gave it, verse, in the end of verse 20, and now he gave a tithe uh, of all. He gave to him a tithe of all. And uh, now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, uh, Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord Most High, the possessor of king, uh, heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from, the, uh, from a thread of a sandal strap, that, and that I will not take anything that is yours, uh, lest you say, I have made uh, Abram rich. Except what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, honor, eschal, uh, Mamre, let them take their portion. So he doesn't take anything from uh, he doesn't take anything from the king of Sodom, who actually is trying to reward him for re- returning for plundering uh, and and uh, fighting against the five kings. But instead, uh, he does give his plunder a tenth of his plunder to uh, Machitzedek, and Machitzedek blesses him. Notice it's it's that way first. Machitzedek blesses a- uh, Abraham, and then Abraham gives the tithe. It's not the other way around. Okay. Um, just as, a, as an interesting note, because we will see this later, the name for uh, Ched Orlamar is, in fact, literally it means a handful of sheaves. In other words, the result of uh, result of a harvest. Okay. Uh, the first usage of the verb, which is what we really care about, right? We don't care about just a principle. We care about doing something. The real, the real first usage of the verb asar is found in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. Go there. Uh, and this is a, this account is Abraham. Uh, excuse me. Jacob is fleeing from uh, from uh, his brother Esau, and in his fleeing, he uh, he's on the way to uh, Padan Aram, uh, where his uh, where his um, his mother's family is, and uh, which is in modern-day Syria. So he's passing from uh, from in the south there uh, uh, through uh, through the land of Israel, going north to Syria, following the uh, the King's Highway Ridge that we would see today. And he's on his way, and he uh, spends the night in this place called uh, Bethel or uh, Luz. Um, most most uh, most scholars would place this place uh, just to the north, uh, just to the northwest of Jerusalem, uh, uh, the modern day uh, uh, Bethel. Uh, although Judaism holds that he actually spent the night on the Temple Mount uh, at the place where um, later would be a threshing floor uh, that David purchased that became uh, the site of. Uh, the first and the second temple, and uh, God willing, soon in our days, the third temple. Uh, so what? Uh, so, it, and actually, I, I, I tend to agree with that position, even though there's probably no archaeological uh, basis for it, and there's a reason why I do. Uh, in chapter uh, 28 of Genesis, verse 22, 
we see that uh, Abra- uh, Jacob sees this vision, uh, first of all, of uh, angels going up and down this ladder. And uh, after this vision, he receives, uh, um, uh, he wakes up, and in verse 20, um, in verse 19, and he called the name of the place Bethel, which means the house of God, which is another reason why I, I tend to side with the idea that this is actually the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Uh, but the name of the city had been previous, had been Luz previously. When Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I set up as a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth. And uh, he sets up this stone, he anoints it with oil which is uh, a great messianic picture as well. Uh, Anoints it with oil. Uh, uh, Mashiach is the anointed one. Uh, Messiah means the anointed one. Mashiach has the has the has has a noun in there uh, that comes from oil. Uh, there was one, one who was anointed with oil, so he anoints the stone with oil. Uh, he sets up the stone and he promises a tenth. That's the first usage of the verb um, asar. What uh, what happened? Did God did God honor his vow? If you'll keep me in food and clothes, and I come back in peace, you'll be my God. What did God do? Did he come back with food and clothes? Did he have food and clothes for the years that he was gone? <laughs> you know, it came at, you know, if we want to look at plunder, basically he plundered <laughs> he plundered Laban. I mean, he did. I mean, you know, God blessed him just immensely. He came back with with wives and children and and uh cattle and and uh, you know, uh in in that time uh really untold wealth. He came back a very very well uh well-to-do man. Uh, all that was his. Uh didn't look like he was come back in peace and certainly he came back in peace even. Uh, Esau turned his hand from him, uh, and so in fact we see uh, as he returns, this is what he does. He he uh, he he, uh, he tells uh, he tells Esau uh, that that he has been sojourning in Laban's house, and uh, in that he he recognizes that he has done what God has kept his part of Jacob's vow, and uh, now he's going to do his. And uh, after he settles, he ends up going back to Bethel and paying his vow, uh, setting up an altar there. So uh, this is the first usage. Uh, and and uh, in this phrase, I have a note here, in this phrase, the verb is used twice. I will surely give a tenth unto thee, uh, the verb asar. Uh, the first commanded use of either noun or verb is found in Leviticus 27.30. Why are we spending time talking about tithe? We talk about giving. Why talk about a tithe? Okay, it's 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 a pattern. It's right. It's a pattern in Hebrew scriptures. The Tanakh has a tithe as a pattern. What is it? Just that. Uh, anybody that's been in in uh, in America in the last hundred years knows what the word tithe means, right? What's a tithe? Not what the Bible says, just what's a tithe? Have you ever heard a sermon on tithing? Okay. Did, were you taught that tithing was something that you didn't need to do because you didn't live in the land and there, weren't, there wasn't a priesthood? No, you weren't taught that, were you? Uh, why not? 
That's true. That's prosperity. That's right. I mean, I've heard that. And have you not heard? You, need, you see it on television all the time. The reason why we're looking at tithe is not to negate tithe, not to diminish tithe, but to get tithe in its correct perspective. And to learn how is it that we can, in fact, lovingly respond to God's mercy and provision within a biblical pattern, but not, not to misunderstand what it means. And so the reason why I had you actually go through those things is because it was, it's necessary maybe to undo a little bit of bad teaching for us to get a true vision of what we're supposed to do with regard to giving. This is in, uh, 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 what did I tell you to go? Leviticus 27.30. Leviticus 27.30 is the first place that is ever commanded that we should tithe. Uh, and it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. Redeem his tithes? What's that? And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not, in other words, when you're counting it, when you're counting it, the tenth one belongs to the Lord. Okay, so what do I do with it? It belongs to the Lord, right? Let's see what it says. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And he, and if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. It will be holy? What's that mean? It's going to be holy? You give something, it becomes holy? These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. This is the command for tithe. This is the first command for tithing. What are we to tithe? All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. If a man wants to redeem all uh, wants that all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one fifth to it. Redeem it? What that mean? Why would you redeem? Well, I'm giving it to the Lord. Why would I want to buy it back? Right? And if I buy it back, I have to give one fifth to it? What's up with that? Anybody know? It's telling you something very clear here, just like handful of sheaves. It's produce. And if you want to convert it to money, you've got to add a fifth. Produce? That's what Yeshua was saying in Luke chapter 11. You tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and, pa- and pass by justice and love of God. What's he saying? He's comparing the two. You tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. Those are not part of the tithe. Because they're not produce. They're not seed from the land. Those are weeds. People don't plant weeds. They grow in the ditch. You, you take them on the way into your house. Here, here's some, uh, here's some herbs for putting in the soup. You don't grow them. They're not, they're not, they're not things that you plant in order to. Now, you may do that in your garden, but the point is that was not a part of this society. These are the weeds. These are not the grains that feed us, that make our bread, that give us the staples that we eat. These are not part of the cattle of your field. These are just things that. Grow. Well, the Pharisees in their, in their piety said we should give a tenth of everything that we have to the Lord. Well, is that bad? Absolutely not. That's great. But they're going above and beyond what was commanded. That's the point. They were going above and beyond what was commanded. And yet, what were they not doing? They had passed by justice in the love of God. 
some of these had in fact taken the very things that God said, here, you need to do this, and it's very visible. Oh, here I am. I'm here to give a tenth of all that I have, and yet pass by mercy and justice. Later on, we read, in fact, that Yeshua says, you in fact left your own parents to starve, as it were. Because he says, oh no, that's holy to the Lord. I've already dedicated that to the temple. Meanwhile, you're using it. You understand what they were doing? They're actually using using the tithe as a measure, as a public measure of their piety and receiving accolades for it. I'm not talking about all. I'm talking about some. And receiving accolades for it. And at the same time, we're not actually even caring for the people that were poor, and destitute, and in need. They'd been given, but they were not giving. They had been given, and they said they were giving it to the Lord. But in fact, it was only a means by which they could elevate themselves, their own pride. Interesting. Have you ever heard of tithes of the fruit of the, of the field and your cattle? And that's all? Let's keep reading. We're going to see. That's exactly a very good point. We're going to see that. Uh, tithing is only commanded in the Torah. Instead of rejecting it outright... Okay, now here's, here's uh, what I find very interesting is people who love, love to say we're not under the law debate that, boy I tell you what the firmest most conservative preachers out there we're not under the law but they still teach tithing yeah. <laughs> tithing is part of the Torah commandments period that's all that's the only place you will find tithing commanded is in the Torah what are we to tithe how are we to tithe tithing does provide a a principle. First of all, the first command is in Leviticus chapter 27. But where, who else tithed? Long before there was ever a law given at Sinai, Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. So the principle exists outside of the, outside of the law given at, at Mount Sinai. But the Torah is the only place where you find tithing as a command. Uh, tithing is laid out in a series of passages in Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And it's best to see what about the tithe when we ask these questions. Why, where, what, when, who, which is something you should do all the time. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, 20 we saw. 28, 20 we saw. Deuteronomy 14, 22. Let's go there real quick. Deuteronomy 14, 22. And we'll read through verse 23. You shall, sure, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the... Wait a minute. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where He chooses to make His name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn the fear of your Lord, the Lord your God always. I'm supposed to eat my tithe? That's what it says. I'm supposed to eat my tithe. In the place where He chooses for His name to dwell which uh, in John chapter 4, uh, Yeshua says when he's asked by the Samaritan women, where are we supposed to worship? Where are we supposed to bring our tithes? And his answer was, you know, Jews, you say it's Jerusalem. We say it's here on Mount Gerizim. And his answer was, it's Jerusalem. The place where he caused his name to dwell, as we see, is actually uh, the place, Hamakom, is actually a circumlocution for the name of God. The place. It's where he caused his name to dwell. Anybody know where that is? Today, there's only a part of it there. And we face it when we pray that's right that's exactly right the Kotel the western wall the, what's left of the holy temple uh, so uh, why uh, why are we doing it 
that we may fear the Lord. Here's why you should tithe, to fear the Lord. Okay? Uh, it's a response to God's provision, not out of poverty, but what He's given. You don't tithe what you don't have. You don't tithe what you, don't ha- what, what you won't receive. You tithe what's been given. Period. What's been given. Um, I don't have notes in here about pledges, because it kind of bothers me when places do pledging for tithe. You know, we're going to have a tithe, and you pledge what you're going to give next year, or whatever else. That really bothers me, because for a lot of different reasons, but first and foremost, we give out of what we've received. We give out of what we've received. That's a clear teaching from Scripture. Give out of what we've already received, not what we think we'll receive. Not out of poverty. It's also it's to teach us to fear the Lord, always. Lastly, to give to live out God's principle of justice. Isaiah 58 has this. It's a principle of justice. Excuse me, go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to say what we're on. That's fine. Because in 24 and 25, it does say that you can exchange it for money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And what are we supposed to do in 25? Where was that? Go to, go to verse 24. Let's read what she's talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 24. But if the journey is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe... Or, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, it is for me, uh, you, uh, uh, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall spend that money on whatever your heart desires. Well, wait. <laughs> Oxen and sheep, uh, wine or similar drink, or whatever your heart desires, that you shall eat before the Lord your God and shall rejoice, you and your household. You shall not forsake... You shall not forsake the Levites, Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part or inheritance with you. This is good. I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to get to it again here in a second, but it's a good place to get into it. The Levites were not given land. What were the people tithing? They were commanded, we were commanded to tithe from the produce from the land. What the land produces, you give a tenth. What were we supposed to do with it? Well, we're supposed to bring it to the Levites, right? They're supposed to not be left out, right? Why? Because they don't have any land. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? When you think about it, what about people who lived in cities? Did they have produce? Well, if you're a Pharisee, you were some of these Pharisees at least were giving a tithe of other things as well. Not bad, not bad, but not commanded. Got it? Uh, but if you couldn't take all your grain, you're supposed to change it for money. What are you supposed to do when you get to Jerusalem? I'm not supposed to give it to somebody else. Well, you're supposed to share it with I'm supposed to share it. Here's, here's the key. And we're going to find out this. What, when we get to when, we're going to find out what, what we're doing here. But basically, we're, we're going to have a party. Okay. <laughs> we're taking our tithe and we're going to Jerusalem and we're going to have a party. Isn't that great? <laughs> this is good stuff. I like this. <laughs> That's right. Very good. And the Levites. And the Levites. That's right. That's right. Go to where. Where are we supposed to do it? We saw in chapter 14, uh, Deuteronomy 14, 22, 23. Where are we supposed to do it? At the temple. Okay. Go to Malachi 3, 3. One of the most famous passages in Baptist Baptist, uh, pulpits. Malachi 3, 3. No, it's not 3, 3. It's 3, 10. Uh, it's like I put three in there twice. Yeah. Malachi, the Italian prophet. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. 
If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will be no room enough to receive it. What's the storehouse? Is that the temple? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. The temple was not. The temple was never financed by tithe, not once. There was a head tax, a shekel head tax, not even a tax. I shouldn't say tax. Scripture commands it. There's a one for every person in your family. You gave you gave a temple shekel every year. That's it. That financed the temple. Period. Tithes never financed the temple. Tithes did not finance the temple. The tithes were to be eaten. Grain, wine, actually says similar drink, actually says strong drink in the Hebrew. And, and, uh, and, and cattle, eat it. Or someone will eat it. It wasn't about financing. It was not about financing the temple. The temple was financed other ways. Okay, so where the tithes would be brought to the place, he chose to place his name. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1. If you didn't do your homework, which is okay, but you probably scratch your head going, is there, is there, is there a system here? And, and there actually was. There is a great system to understand here and understanding all tithes. But it's hard to cover it in just 50 minutes. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your God, God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where these nations uh, which you shall dispossess, uh, dispossess, serve their gods on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. You shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all the tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. You shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flock, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all that you have, that which you have put your hand, uh, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here, every man doing what is, whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your, Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you dwell in safety, there, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, and your, cho- and your choice offerings, which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, and you and your sons and daughters, your male servant, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion of inheritance with you. There's three tithes being mentioned in, in the Torah. There's three tithes. There's the first tithe, which was given to the Levites, for them to eat. Actually, it was, it was part of your offerings when you came. You actually, it was, a, it was a meal. You went to the temple to eat of the offerings. Uh, most of them, not all, but most of them. And the priests ate with you. What was left over went to their families. And that's, that's precisely what was happening with regard, that's the uh, Aaronic priesthood. Not just all Levites, but those of the line of Aaron. Uh, there's immense passages in the Talmud regarding what is... Uh, Teruma, uh, uh, which is that which is given to the Lord, uh, the bread, the, the, the meat, whatever those things are, uh, that who could eat it and when. And so it was a, it was a, it was a, that's how the Levites 
lived. That's how their families lived. Is by eating what was left over of those offerings, those things that weren't korban uh, Allah, uh, which were completely consumed. Most of the offerings were not completely consumed. In fact, they were cooked on the altar and then supper. Uh, but only supper for those who were within the, within the prescribed family. Now, whoever brought the offering shared with the Levites and ate then. But after that, the leftovers were only those within the Levites' family, or the priest's family to start with. And uh, then only those who actually were within, within the uh, uh, confines of, of being clean at the time. In other words, they would have had been ritually pure at the time to eat it, because it had been given to the Lord. Uh, so where? We're supposed to give it. We're supposed, why are we supposed to give it? To fear the Lord in response to his provision. Where are we supposed to do it? We're supposed to do it in the, in the, uh, in the temple uh, after they entered the land. The place where his name was uh, to dwell was Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. That's where they were supposed to bring it. What were they supposed to bring? Deuteronomy 14, we already saw that. They're supposed to bring the, the, the fruit of the land. Uh, they, were, they were agrarian. Uh, uh, they had cattle. They were supposed to bring a fruit of the land, a tenth of the fruit. Every tenth of what came from the land. Uh, don't confuse this with first fruits. I have a note here. Don't confuse this with first fruits. First fruits offering was something that was different, and it was actually it was uh, um, uh, seen as something different from the tithe. Um, if you if you live too far away, you could sell it and exchange it for money. And then when you got to Jerusalem, you'd spend the money. And uh, what would you buy? You'd buy something to eat. And uh, it was part of the first tithe, and I have this three tithes. The first part was a sacrificial system whereby the individual and a Levite ate it jointly. And the Levite's family, of course, then got, or the Aaronic family, uh, priesthood family, got, got to join in. The second part, uh, the second tithe, was part of the three, year, three, year, uh, three yearly excursions to the place. What are those? That's right. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Those three, or... Uh, um, uh, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Those three were commanded. It says, every male shall go up to Jerusalem three times a year and worship me. Uh, or go up to the place where I place cause my name to dwell and worship me. And then what were they supposed to do? They are supposed to take their tithes. And, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was for a party. Uh, that's the second tithe. The second tithe was for a party. You actually had to reserve uh, something for you to be able to um, have a good time while you're in Jerusalem during the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread or during the Feast of Sukkot or the, the, the one-day Feast of Shavuot. The third tithe was for the poor. And uh, do, do go to Deuteronomy. Um, uh, actually, we'll get to that in a second. When is three times a year. Every third and sixth year, uh, there, was a, there was a flip-flop on, what, on the second tithe. Uh, you didn't. Uh, the second tithe was uh, was, and this is where you get whether it's 20 percent or 23 and a third percent total uh, of your produce, uh, because uh, it could be interpreted two different ways. Maybe it was, uh, maybe you always did the third and the sixth year. Maybe you didn't, and that's for the that was for the poor. Okay, uh, talk about the storehouse. That's what it's talking about. The storehouse is because you did it every third and sixth year. You stored it up your grain or whatever else. You stored it in your village. Uh, the storehouse wasn't in Jerusalem. There was no grain storehouse in Jerusalem for, for, uh, for you to bring all your produce. So the whole idea of storehouse tithing, you know what it is? No, no, you got to bring it here. If you want to get the, if you want to pay your tithe to the Lord, you have to give it to this church, as some people would say. Um, and after that, you can give whatever you want, but a tenth goes here. 
This is the storehouse. That's what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the storehouse. After that, you give whatever you want, but you've got to give a tenth here. Uh, that, that storehouse tithing concept is completely in error. It has, has no basis in Scripture. None. It's misapplying the very instructions God gave with regard to the tithe. Uh, it isn't that there are some good principles there, but they're just principles. They're not commands. Uh, when is three times a year. Go to, uh, go to um, Acts chapter 20, verse 16. I just want to show you this in passing. A lot is made of the fact, rightfully so, that the tithe is never mentioned in, in the apostolic scriptures. Well, actually it is. Yeshua talks about it with regard to the Pharisees, but it's never commanded. Why doesn't Paul tell everybody, hey, you've got to give a tithe? Why doesn't he? How many, how many people were agrarian in all these places Paul's writing? How many of them actually had crops and cattle? And then where did they live? Did they live in the land? No. Where, what, what was the, where was the dirt that their crops, if they had crops, where was the dirt that their crops grew in? Was it dirt within the confines of the land? No. So what's the purpose for the tithe? It's to fear the Lord your God, come from his provision, but it's directly tied to the land. It's directly tied to the land. So you don't tithe. And actually Judaism never practiced the tithe living in the diaspora. Never. It was not part of what they did. You didn't tithe. What? Don't tithe from Egypt. You know, I live in Egypt. I don't tithe. Of course not. That'd be silly. That'd be foolish. Why? Do they celebrate faith? Of course. And that's why you see in Acts, we see this great number coming from all over the Roman world going to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. So what did they do? Well, maybe they actually did do some of that. Maybe they did sell some of their produce or whatever else and go to Jerusalem and have a party. But with regard to trying to satisfy the tithe, they didn't come from the land. Again, just like the Pharisees. Pharisees are tithing mint. That wasn't required. So maybe people were tithing, but not because it was required. Okay? I shouldn't say tithing. Maybe they were giving, but it wasn't because it was part of the tithe. The, um, by the way, uh, when I also talk about the Shemitah cycle, this is the end of the, uh, the last Shemitah. We're starting a seventh. This, this is the first year now of the Shemitah cycle right now. This is the first year. So the third year would be a couple years from now, and then the sixth year would be uh, three years after that. Okay? Um, where was I? Acts chapter 20, verse 16. Sorry, I get sidetracked. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 16. Here, look at this. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost, that is Shavuot. What was he going to do? What was he going to do? What was he going to hurry to get to Shavuot for? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Later on we find out. He's carrying offerings. First Corinthians, uh, chapter, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter nine. Excuse me, sorry. Second Corinthians, chapter nine, verse one. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boasted to you in the Macedonians, that Achaia was already a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest your boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, that I said you may be ready. Lest if some of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed for this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand that you had previously 
promise that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not a, a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that always that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Uh, what he's doing is, he's actually letting them know. They've made an agreement that they're going to give an offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And Paul's in a hurry. Uh, he's going to come by uh, Corinth and take their offering. And he actually tells them, uh, um, tells them to set it aside. Set it aside. Make sure you have it ready for me when I come so that I can take it. Uh, it's not a tithe. It has nothing to do with the tithe. It's simply because there are poor people. Actually, Jerusalem, the Jerusalem congregation is very poor. Poor people in Jerusalem in need. And God had blessed them. And he said, don't give out of obligation. Give out of the generosity of your heart. Purpose what, you, what you've already purposed to give. Uh, not something that you don't have. Something you do have. God blessed you. Now, share it. Is what he's saying. Um, and uh, the la- any questions on any of those so far? Move on to who? The first tithe of the Levites we talk about. The second tithe consumed by the giver's family or the poor Levite that was among them. Uh, uh, not of the priestly caste. And the third tithe was given to the poor. And that's Deuteronomy 15.11. Caring for the poor. Ma'am? It was. And that's what talks about the poor Levites among you, yes. Yeah. Okay. So they gave to the local Levites and the priesthood. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about twisted giving. This is kind of undo what we what we've talked about before, uh, and I just have some stuff here, and, and uh, y'all can dispute with me if you'd like. But we don't give to get. Um, that's like we say prosperity prosperity teaching. Uh, we're basically if you want to if you want to get something, look, sow this ten percent. I'll reap. You'll reap a hundred percent. If you give to my ministry, you can get a hundredfold back. Um, I have a note here, those who promote incorrect give by faith. In other words, hey, you may not have it, but write a check for me today. You know, God will put it in the bank. They need to live by faith themselves. I find that all, almost incomprehensible that a person says, listen, you may not have the money, but pledge to give it to me today. And yet they don't have the money. Why wouldn't they trust the God for it? You know, you need to trust God for it. Well, why don't you trust him for it then? Yeah, that's right. Let you have in on the deal, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll just tell you, it's a pyramid scheme. You know, that's all it is. It's just, it's, 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 it's downright thievery. It is. It's embarrassing. Uh, we actually shouldn't give to support. The idea that the ties were gods and not man's is, is evident in Scripture. Uh, even though the first and the third tithe were given to men, you know, here it is, you know, eat it. Um, that it was, it was uh, given as if giving it to God. So the idea that, you know, um, that our giving should not simply because we have compassion for the people that we see. It ought to be giving as if giving to God when we give it to them. An example would be, uh, um, an example would be uh, um, the United Way. Well, that's charity. Can I give charity? Absolutely. But 
Are you giving it as to God? Then, then it's giving in a biblical way. If it's not, then you're just you're just fulfilling. Thank you. Then you're just basically giving. Fine. I mean, it's no problem, but it's not as if giving to the Lord. Uh, it needs to be as if giving to the Lord. You were asked something. Um, yes. Um, these preachers build these expensive churches and right. things like that, and then lay a guilt trip on people in church in their sermons right. to give the money because they have to pay for that building. Sure. My pastor never believed that way. He said that you should get the money first and then build the building. I think that's very honorable. That's not always possible, I think, but it's very honorable. And I think it's always the best way. Absolutely. But that's wrong, isn't it, for a preacher to do that for pressure on people? Well, certainly in the sense of, of trying to make people feel a debt that's not theirs. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's another. So, giving to support. It's not that we shouldn't support people. It's just a giving to support. In other words, uh, I'm just taking care of you, as opposed to no, I'm giving this to the Lord. In other words, it has to be the idea that we're giving to the Lord. Okay. Uh, you see, you see somebody begging, and you give money to them. Give it as if to the Lord. Out of your obligation, out of your abundance that He gave to you. It's a, it's a response. It's a thanksgiving response. Right. Uh, if you don't give it, it won't get done. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, you know, if you won't give, we're not going to be able to do this, you know, and the Lord's work will not go forward. <laughs> uh, and I have one here. One word, uh, Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. He's omnipotent. He does not need our money. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't need what we have. Listen, I can tell you, being raised in a family that was... Uh, was uh, uh, Serving in Africa, my, my parents never told anyone. Actually, I take it back. One time, they told people what they needed. People say, well, what do you need? When they come to speak, what do you need? We'd like, to, we'd like to supply something that you need. What do you need? The one time my father ever said something, he says, well, I need a hanger for my airplane. And, and, uh, and so they raised money for a hanger for his airplane. And it, and it, it bothered him until the day he died. Because <laughs> he didn't tell people what he needed. But he never went, never went without. He, he ran a... He ran a flight program in Central Africa. It wasn't cheap, but he never asked anybody for anything. It was always just given. Um, uh, storehouse tithing. There's only one storehouse mentioned in Scripture, and it's not. It doesn't have the word church or congregation on it. There's only one storehouse, and it's 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 in the land, and it's where you put your produce, uh, the the produce of the land. Uh, no what? Uh, no matter what, or who, or why people. Now, this is really important. I want you to understand this. No matter how anybody else twists tithe or giving, does not mean that God does not love a cheerful giver. If someone else twists it and you respond, God will bless you. He won't bless you with tenfold of what you give. He'll bless you because you responded to his generosity to you. That's, that, is that a not enough? I mean, isn't that enough? I don't need more. Thank you. That's all I'm saying is thank you for giving what you gave me. Right? When we give to him, we're just saying thank you. You gave me an abundance. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you in this way. Maybe it's not the tithe, as it's outlined in Scripture, but I can still give. The tithe has a principle that we need to hear. We give out of the abundance he's given to us. That's what we give back. We give it to him how? We care for one another. That's how we give it to him. 
We care for one another. We care for the poor. God brings people and things into your, into your path for a reason. Respond. Out of what He's given, respond. If you don't have it, don't respond. What did Peter and, uh, what did Peter and John say when they were walking through the gate after, after the resurrection? And the man was begging there. And, the, and he wanted silver and gold. Silver and gold have I none, said Peter. But what I do have, I'll give you. Out of, out of the abundance of what we've given, that's what we should give. Not what we don't have. Um, and a perfect example is in Luke chapter 21 where in fact we see the widow putting her mite in the temple box. The temple box was not commanded by Scripture. In fact, it was maybe a perversion even of what Scripture commanded. And yet what, is God's, uh, what, is, what do we learn from this? Yeshua says she was receiving a great blessing. Even though there were, that, that money may have been misused, she received a blessing. She received a blessing. Why? Because she responded because of God's generosity. She responded. It was her response that was a blessing. Giving should always be a response, like everything. Out of what God has given, we, in love, respond back. Uh, our duty to give is to care for the poor. Our duty to give is to care for the poor. And uh, beyond that, when the temple's rebuilt, and you, have, and you live in the land, and you have crops, and you have cattle, then you can start taking count of your, your tithe. Closing prayer. Father, we do thank you for your love and for your generosity to us. May our giving reflect your character, uh, that your hand is open wide and it satisfies all of us. Father, if we could learn uh, that from you, if we could uh, transmit that to our children, then we know that uh, you will be glorified uh, in us. We thank you for this opportunity for us to learn from your word. And we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.